Hello, I'm Andrew from Ara Video in Wellington, New Zealand, and welcome back to Back to the Disc Player, uh, a new season and episode 9 of the Ara Video podcast. It's inspired by our Adopt-A-Movie scheme, which enables film lovers to purchase an exclusive lifelong affiliation with a title in our library or an acquisition that we may not have. It's where I get the privilege to talk to our customers about their personal connection to the film or films they've chosen to adopt and for us to find out a bit about them too. Some of you will have noticed that we've had quite a break, uh, two months in fact since the last episode, and I'd like to think that this was part of a strategic plan to divide the podcast into seasons, but alas, it was not the case. I will spare you the gory details until perhaps after this episode, which is an enlightening chat with Chris Horman, president of the Wellington Film Society, who talks about the impressive lineup of films he has for the 2019 season, and also about the three films he's personally adopted which all star the amazing Catherine Deneuve. Now it's a great chat in which we get to talk about all sorts of films and filmmakers but the recording is slightly blighted with technical problems. We had a heat wave here in Wellington albeit only two days uh, but we had to have the windows wide open and the fans whirring and that seemed to play havoc with our sound recorder at times. Done our best to ameliorate this so I hope it's acceptable and enjoyable. My chat with Chris Horman. Hello, Chris, and welcome to Upstairs at Aro Video. Lovely to have you here. Yes. Um, you are uh, the esteemed president of the Wellington Film Society. Indeed I am, and thank you very much for having me here, Andrew. It's, uh, it's lovely to be here and, uh, and, and to be surrounded by this, uh, this magnificent collection uh, that you've got. Why, thank you very much, <laughs> yes. Look, congratulations on this year's programme at the Wellington Film Society, uh, another superlative and, and extremely diverse selection. So I don't know whether you take full credit for that or certainly partial credit. I'd, I'd like to take all the credit for it, but uh, unfortunately uh, I would be doing a disservice to uh, a number of meters, members of uh, the committee as well as a number of the other film societies across New Zealand. Uh, the, uh, the The programme is put together from suggestions from all across New Zealand. Excellent. We'll yeah. di dive deeper into that shortly. Um, I, before we get started, I just wanted to say that um, when I was digging a little into... Um, into preparing for this uh, interview, um, I ha had a look at uh, at uh, your um, some of the things you've posted online, and I noticed um, that we have something in common. Okay, okay. Um, that the film Oliver, Carol, Carol Reed's musical from 1968, was ah, the yes. first feature film that we both saw in the me? cinema. Wow! Does that make us the same age? I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it in 1970. Okay, uh, because I was five years old. I, I saw it. I think um, it would have been the late 70s in right. Fiji. Right, sure. And and it was around the time that Greece came out. And right. I thought my mother was taking me to a, a film with Olivia Newton-John, and it turned out it was Oliver. Oh, is that right? Okay. Um, All but, right. Well, my mistake for assuming you were as old as me, <laughs> but you do have as much grey hair in your beard yes, as I do. Yes, and and you've certainly got more hair on the top of your head than I do. <laughs> <laughs> right, so um, President, um, an, an illustrious title. Do you want to tell us um, a little bit about um, how that came to be? I mean, it's a voluntary position. It, it and, is. Uh, so, um, how long have you done that for, Chris? So, uh, I'm coming up to uh, the end of my fifth year as uh, as Wellington Film Society President. Um, I mean, we're, we're a uh, a voluntary organisation, um, a charity as well, and uh, and each year 
we elect presidents, vice presidents, and and the usual officers that you have in in such committees. Uh, and I've I've been lucky to be uh, surrounded by a fantastically hardworking committee who who make my job so much easier and make me look good. Wow! So the tenure is one year. Uh, the is tenure it? is one year. So yeah. each uh, we have an AGM, and uh, at the AGM, all of the positions, the officer positions, come up for election. Yeah. So have you been challenged very uh, I, I, on, on your on your position? I, I haven't. <laughs> uh, I haven't as yet, and and uh, I can probably give you an an RO podcast exclusive. Uh, uh, now to say that uh, I'm actually stepping down uh, at, right. at our AGM in March. Uh, okay. I feel like uh, five years has been a, a good stint. I'll be remaining on the committee, but right. uh, I'm keen for um, for some new leadership uh, in, in the film society. Um, I'm going to be involved a lot more at the national level for sure. uh, for the Federation of Film Societies. Okay. Um, but um, yeah. so yeah. that presents a new challenge, or is it, um, or other demands of being president in Wellington? Is that is that quite involved and um, you've got a day job as well and there's a yeah. lot of juggling to do so yeah it, it's, it's certainly um, there's a lot involved in it I mean t- to be honest it's it's stuff I absolutely love doing but uh, but you're right I have got a, a full-time job during the day um, there during our screening screening year there is a lot of work to do and now with uh, some of the extra responsibilities on the National Federation um, it's a good opportunity to uh, to step back um, while at the same time still remaining behind the scenes to to help out um, what who will be uh, the new president sure yeah so the interplay between the the National Federation and the Wellington Film Society can you explain a little bit about how how, how that works yeah. you know um, so Wellington Film Society is part of that National Federation yes and yes. Is, is the national body based in Wellington as well or is it how does that work yeah so so it's a um, our officers, as such as they are, which is really just uh, an address, uh, is in Wellington, and uh, the uh, traditionally the secretary and treasurer have been uh, have been based in Wellington. Um, but the um, there is a management committee which is made up of a number of um, a number of representatives from film societies. Um, the two largest film societies, um, like the UN Security Council, have a permanent uh, seat on that management committee. Yeah. Um, so that's Wellington and Nelson. Um, and um, yeah, so we we, we get um, a lot of different people from um, across New Zealand, going from Auckland right down to uh, Dunedin, mm. um, who who get involved. Um, and the National Federation meets three times a year. Yeah. So your role will be a little diminished in, in the new role, or in terms uh, uh, of your workload and. Um, it it will be from a Wellington perspective, um, but I I was um, luckily lucky enough to be uh, elected as vice president of the National Federation, so. Um, uh, so while it's diminished in Wellington, uh, certainly there'll be uh, more work to do uh, at a national level. Yeah. And does that mean more travel? Unfortunately not. I wish it were. Uh, any, any travel is self-funded. Uh, but, um, hmm. yeah, it's it's... It's an interesting, uh, interesting to be part of that national body and and to help encourage other societies, especially some of the smaller societies. I mean, Carston is a good example of a small society which is really thriving, um, despite being in a small town. And we want to try and see if we can get other small uh, mm. small centres um, creating their own film society um, mm. community. Great. Yeah. So that sounds like a noble mission. Yeah. 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 Um, so. You know, how, we, there's this sort of curious thing around societies. You know, we kind of think of the masonry and other kind of 
arcane you know institutions and you know it's like who are making these decisions behind yep. closed doors so can you just talk us a little bit about through the process of selection in terms of how you settle on a program before we talk about the the one this year yeah yeah no absolutely so uh g- generally in the first few months of the year we start looking at what the following year's program will be so that's generally around march april um, so as, as a Wellington Society, um, we will take suggestions from uh, members of the committee because the members of the committee represent the, our membership as a whole um, and um, we, we look at the sorts of films that we think um, will both um, get people in through the door. So we, we want to have essentially a few of the blockbusters, but blockbusters in a film society sense, certainly not in a, uh, in a multiplex sense, um, but then also look at what are some of the directors that we might like to feature, uh, what are some parts of the world whose cinema we haven't seen a lot of recently. So we will put together our suggestions, other film societies do the same, and then they get collated by uh, our film programmer. So our film programmer is based in Wellington as mm-hmm. well, and he takes all of those suggestions and basically has to come come up with... Uh, a list of films mm-hmm. um, that, um, yeah, would, so a would long work. list of sorts. Well, or, yeah. So, so he he gets the long list. He he basically whittles that down um, to something like forty to forty five films mm-hmm. um, from which. Film societies will then choose uh, their program for the yep. following year. So I noticed that you've got thirty-two films. Thirty-three. Thirty-three. 33. Yes. Sure. Yeah. And that's is that bigger than normal or? It's, yeah. No. That's yeah. That, that's been pretty much our standard yeah. for the last few years. Certainly, certainly in, in the time that I've uh, have I've been there. I know mm. back in the day they used to do two screenings a night um, when they were at the National Library. Mm. Um, so the program did tend to be bigger, but um, yeah. that that fits in nicely in that March to November period. Yeah. So the, your relationship with the film programmer, yes. uh, I mean, I take it that you, you trust their judgment uh, A- to, to be able to whittle all those suggestions down. Yes. And I guess that by having one person in control of that process, you're not kind of uh, uh, you know, opening up uh, endless debates Correct. about what should and shouldn't be included. Yeah, he's, yeah. He, we, we, we give him um, some direction, but um, he, he is very experienced. He also works as programmer for the film festival as well. Yeah. So who is that? Uh, so it's Michael McDonnell. Right, sure. Um, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, his 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 taste and his uh, the breadth of his film knowledge uh, means that we always get an excellent program out of him, while, while also taking into account the, the various needs and wants of, of the different societies. Sure. Um, and occasionally there'll, there'll be a one-off that um, we think will work just for Wellington. So that happened last year when yeah. we screened Brazil. Sure. Um, so that was a Wellington exclusive. That was a Wellington yeah. exclusive, yeah, yeah, yeah. but um, it was our first screening at the embassy mm. and we just wanted something that was going to, again, mm. a blockbuster yeah, sure. um, in, in a film society sense. It was fantastic sense. seeing that uh, 30 yeah. years later. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. how great it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. And, and so, so funny too. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so... Uh, Mike Michael's uh, so he's collating a lot of suggestions, um, but there must be um, a lot of product that he can't get hold of for whatever reason. Is there an international circuit of of, of films that are available uh, to film societies? Is there a yeah? It's, it's probably not so much uh, to to all film societies. I mean, the um, the national body is part of the International Federation of Film Societies, which which is a body that that seems to uh, be active. 
every now and again. So uh, we've occasionally had uh, films from them. Um, I know we, we had, in one year, we had several films from uh, Central and South America through the International Federation. But he will tend to look at what's available, what's come out in new restorations. Yep. Um, obviously, he's aware of what the film festival are programming. Um, and sometimes we'll link it up with yep. some of their retrospective screenings. Sure, yeah, yeah in, indeed. So being on the, the main film festival programming team yeah. yeah he's cognizant of yeah the context in which it's presented yeah, yeah absolutely so chris can we jump right in and talk about the the, the program for 2019 yeah, absolutely happy um to. i see the all-important opening film Indeed. Um, as we've just mentioned uh, this this year is mulholland drive it's no secret that you're a david lynch fan no it's no no secret fact, nothing about you is much of a secret <laughs> I have to say. your digital footprint is, is quite large i know i know if, if, if anyone was trying to impersonate me they they could probably do a good job just uh, looking at what's out there it's very handy for research though <laughs> now it was named the greatest film of the 21st century by a poll conducted by bbc culture so indeed know, who's to who's to question we, we cannot indeed. argue with the bbc indeed uh but typically controversial choice yes um David Lynch wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> um, before we talk about it and, and your kind of um, love of David Lynch, I just wanted to, I was looking at the Ari Video website, so I'm just going to do a little uh, play devil's advocate, which Certainly. is my, one of my roles. <laughs> Um, but I'm quite pl- proud of what's actually published uh, on our site regarding this film because it, um, I'm going to read out a couple of um, user reviews Excellent. as well. Um, neither of which are yours, so you'll, <laughs> you'll have your say. So I've said, Director David Lynch returns to the defiantly enigmatic mode of Twin Peaks and Lost Highway with an absurdist Tinseltown satire that probably won't win over the uninitiated. Everyone else will be familiar with the patented trash noir dreamscape. Uh, this time populating La La Land with oddball archetypes, principally a naive small-town ingenue with an appetite for mystery and an impossibly sultry amnesiac who certainly provides it. Curiously retro 90s in feel, it was salvaged from a once-rejected television pilot into something that is less nothing what it, is what it seems than nobody is whom they seem. The director throwing out the baby with the bathwater in the third act uh, that one will regard as either unforgivably or gloriously unfathomable. <laughs> Now, just to the, the comments, so somebody else said, so I left it fairly open, yep. you know, to, um, uh, to however you take Lynch, and someone has said, um, everybody I know was trying to decode the plot, but I just loved it. I thought it made perfect sense on an emotional level. And sure, there are some hackneyed Lynchisms, but who else does what he does? Uh, Empire, Island Empire, Inland Empire is another matter altogether, he says. <laughs> anyway, I thought that that was interesting, making perfect sense on an emotional level. The other... Um, uh, user review said difficult to grasp in one sitting it takes repeat viewings to understand the dream sequences that blur the lines between reality and fantasy do you have anything else to add to that i i think that actually encapsulates the the, the film perfectly because it it's it is so at times inscrutable uh mm. but but I, I wouldn't call it hackneyed Lynch uh, <laughs> uh, tropes, um, but it, it, it's most definitely Lynchian in, in the way that he, he doesn't explain things. He, he wants you to go away and either think about it or just sit back and, and let it wash over you. And, and certainly there are, there are portions of, uh, of Mulholland Drive um, that um, you do just sit back and, and think that's just wonderful cinema, mm. um, however little it might make uh, make sense. Mm. 
Yeah, sure. Um, I think I overheard you talking to the, the staff member saying that there was somebody that you want, were trying to convert over to being an advocate of the film. Well, yeah, I, right? I, I, I have Did a I friend who, who, who hates it with a passion. Oh, and, I see. Uh, he, he, he was a fan of Lynch up until Lost Highway. Uh, right. And then he he, he so gave up on hi- Lynch. Lost Highway, um, you know, D- derailed, changed, him. derailed him. <laughs> <laughs> and um, but he did he did go on and watch Mulholland Drive and mm. hated that even more. Uh, and we've mm. we've had many debates uh, in mm. the past. I would mm. love to have him come along to uh, to mm. the screening just to see if I can change his mind. Uh, yeah. It's a matter of convincing him whether he would uh, be willing to sit uh, sit in the embassy for two hours and twenty minutes uh, sure. to try and be won over again. Well. He'll, he'll be one of many. I, I, I would imagine it will be a fairly packed session. We hope that. so. We hope yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, just going over what's happening. So the um, the program itself starts on which date? It starts on March the 4th. March the 4th. March, okay. Monday, March the 4th, 6th, yeah, 15th. Sure. Okay. And uh, so... Are there any other particular uh, films you'd like to talk about in this year's program? Yeah, Uh, yeah, certainly. Uh, And I think um, because because we opened with uh, Mulholland Drive, which is which is a film very much set in um, in Hollywood, and uh, certainly the the darker side of Hollywood, uh, we wanted to throw in a bit of light. Um, as well when it comes to Hollywood so uh, we've got three classic uh, Hollywood screwball comedies mm-hmm. um, which um, you know will certainly make things a lot lighter um, through our program we've uh, we've got them peppered um, through the year mm-hmm. um, so we have uh, it happened one night which uh, mm-hmm. is famously I think the first film to have won the the big five uh, Oscars um, his girl Friday which is um, just full of that kind of 30s rat-a-tat dialogue mm-hmm. um, and a film I've never actually seen but um, I have it on good authority that is mm-hmm. uh, A Hoot uh, which is My Man Godfrey um, I don't know if you've seen that yourself I haven't actually in fact that is not on my list right which is why I thought there were 32 ah, films okay and I was trying to I was scratching my head trying to work out what the third screwball comedy was yep yep <laughs> and, so, no, and looking it. up these films that I didn't recognise the names <laughs> of so I'm glad you um uh, corrected us on that one. I hope you haven't. Have you included that in your your printed catalogue? We have indeed. We we definitely. <laughs> it have. wasn't in your email. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's absolutely uh, in the program. And right. uh, yeah, so is no, that, that uh, my man Godfrey is. Who's the lead in that? Uh, that is. is um, it Bob Hope. Uh, no, no, I think that is Rosalind Russell. Right. Uh, is is very the, different from Bob Hope. Very very different from uh, from Bob Hope. Um, having said that, I've, I'm just um, I'm, no Carol Lombard. I'm sorry, right. Carol Lombard is, uh, yep. and, and it is essentially a very much a, 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 um, her as the lead in that, right, um, right, with right. Uh, with my Mad Godfrey being the butler in, in this right, comedy. Right, right. Um, I've noticed that um, that you have some films that are sponsored or in connection with the the Goethe Institute. Yes, and and those ones are uh, available by. You know, being admitted by Koha. Yes. Can you just explain how that works? The the difference between 
um, general admissions through COHA and Film Society only admissions? Yes, certainly. So um, a Film Society membership, um, which which we encourage people to buy a 12-month membership because you can see all of the films in our program over a 12-month period. Um, and so once you have that, there's no restrictions on what you can see uh, unless you are a youth member and we do have the occasional uh, R18 film. Uh, but we have an arrangement with the Goethe Institute in the films that they provide for the program. So in exchange for them providing us with the films, um, it allows their uh, the Goethe Institute members to go along and not be members. So right. it's it's then opened up to all of the public um, because you know we're not going to ask people to say are you a Goethe Institute member or are you a friend of the Goethe Institute. Yeah. So yeah. Um, it it also allows members of the public to, uh, to to come and have a bit of a taste themselves just for a yeah. uh, a small donation at the door. Yeah, and there's some really interesting German films this year. Yeah, um, the one that caught my attention was the the debut feature by Marin. AD, yes, uh, who made uh, uh, Tony Erdman, which was at the festival a couple of years ago, and was quite a sensation. It was on it the was. art house circuit globally. So that'll be really interesting. A film called uh, "The Forest for the Trees." Yes, um, and and it's it's essentially it's described as a student film because it was it was one that she made as a student. But it's not what you would uh, you would consider if if you thought of a quintessential student film being uh, you know slightly amateurish. It is, yeah. uh, as I understand it, because I haven't seen it myself. But it's very well put together. Um, it has her trademark humour um, yeah. in it, um, mm. and it'll be great to see her beginnings and how mm. she then developed. Apparently, in the finest tradition of debut features, she kind of used resources that were available to her. And in this case, it was her mother's uh, uh, school where she taught. Yep. So while the mother was teaching... Uh, uh, her daughter was making a film in the next block. Yes, yeah, apparently. So, so, so you know. So it does look really interesting. Yeah, yeah, and and absolutely. Why not? Uh, why yeah. why not uh, use family for something yeah. like that? There's a couple of other German films that were also worth a mention. One, um, a German youth, which is a doco on the the Bader Meinhof um, yeah. situation. So that looks really interesting. Yeah, it does. Um, and the Legend of Rita, which I hadn't heard of, but an, again another kind of politically charged yes. German drama. Yes, and and they're almost sort of paired in in, in the sense of, of being very political. Um, and the the director of that, uh, Volker Schlondorf, um, is most famous for the Tin Drum. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. Certainly, yeah. the the the, pro, the the films we get from uh, Goethe Institute are always um, interesting to see, and and and, and generally speaking, um, are ones that you you come away actually thinking and wanting to discuss. Indeed, this won't be in lieu of the the annual German film festival, though. No, no. As far as I understand, the uh, the German film festival will uh, will be continuing, and I, I think that's yeah. generally around September, October uh, every year. Yeah, but it won't be at Natonga this year. No, no. So, so uh, I know uh, last year they had their opening screening at the embassy. Right. Um, certainly, the number of cinemas uh, available in the Wellington CBD. Uh, is reducing uh, it is yeah. a frightening rate it is yeah. very very frightening um, that's a whole other topic indeed <laughs> <laughs> we could speak uh, at length yeah, about indeed. that <laughs> so um, just, sorry just still staying on the German thing I just wanted to mention also the young Karl Marx which again I think was in last year's festival that's and correct. it, it um, it's made by the Haitian director Raoul Peck, That's who right. was the director of I Am Not Your Negro yes uh, the, uh, the documentary uh, and um so that was that was curious. Uh, yeah. a Haitian director making an American 
documentary and yeah. then making a German film. Indeed, indeed. So, uh, yeah, I had to mention that kind yeah. of Yeah, well, I, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen The Young Karl Marx, but I have seen I'm Not ne Your Negro uh, when it showed at the festival. Um, and um, it was actually voted by the committee, because we do a vote at the end of each festival as, as our film of the festival. And, uh, yeah, I, I think for those people that didn't get to see it uh, when it screened at the festival, it's it's a prime opportunity to, to see a film about, essentially, James Baldwin talking about race relations 30 or 40 years ago, but it is completely prescient with, uh, with mm. what's happening in the States today. Yeah, it's stunning. Yeah, yeah. Um, I recently showed my 16-year-old, uh, uh, I handed her a DVD copy of The Virgin Suicides and said, watch this, which might seem like slightly irresponsible yes. you know, to some people, yes. but it was uh, total catnip uh, for a teenager like her. Um, and that's playing on uh, in, in, in August, so um, that's a beautiful film. It, it um, is, it is. And, and it's part, part of our, I, I guess, our, our push to, to um, I guess, to... to to have female filmmakers represented on our program a lot more. Um, as, a, as a film society, we've, we've tended to, to show films that are older and, and generally the, the pickings are a lot slimmer. But as we move into the 21st century and, and certainly in the last few years, um, we, we're starting to be able to, to actually choose a lot more really great films and, and not necessarily have to um, choose them on the fact that they are female filmmakers. We're choosing them because they're really good films. And, and all of the films, um, whether they're male or female filmmakers, um, in this year's programme, I think, are there on their own right um, without kind of being there as a quota. Yeah, I think I read something online that Sundance this year had over one third, I think it was, uh, think, uh, with female-directed yes. films this year. Yeah, which yeah, is really which encouraging to is, see. Yeah. Yeah. So um, you said this year there was quite a few films that you haven't seen. Were there any particular picks that you had that were thrown into the pot that you made sure were on there? Well, well one I must admit, one film that I, I particularly pushed for because uh, I'm, I'm a fan of it and I haven't ever seen it on the big screen and I just wanted to uh, to be able to experience it on the embassy screen is uh, Last Year at Marion Bad. Right. Uh, yeah. Which, um, again, is... It is quite an inscrutable film. Mm. Um, it's it's a film that some people and, and I remember having this debate across the uh, the federation table that some people characterise it as almost being a parody now, mm. uh, but uh, <laughs> I I don't think it is. Yeah. Uh, I think it's it's certainly a beautifully shot film. Um, Delphine Seyrig, who's the, the, the lead in it, is just absolutely fantastic in performance and in mm. um, her look her look in the film and, and I, I hope I'm not coming across as, as someone who's, who's looking purely on aesthetics but we'll talk her, about that later yeah her, 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 uh, her look matches the look of the film so well mm. um, and, and it is a film that is open to so many interpretations mm. um, but sure. um, that, that was certainly one that I was yeah, um, more than pleased to get on, on the, the program yeah. right yeah um, you've got uh, some Aki Karazmaki movies and a couple of, in fact, all three of them are relatively obscure. I have seen Ariel. I saw that in the festival about 1988. Yes, that, that's nine. around about when it came out. Yeah, sure. So, um, but I wasn't familiar with the um, uh, the Match Factory Girl. I know. Yes. Um, but the there was another one. An uh, Shadows in Paradise. Shadows in Paradise. Yeah. 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 It's um, we, we again. This was around looking for uh, filmmakers that um, we could. 
uh, we could represent on on the program, um, and we we like to have a, at least a couple of director series. Mm. So the the three films actually form a loose trilogy. It's called the Proletariat trilogy. Right. Uh, Ariel was kind of Karismaki's breakthrough film. Yeah. Um, I've not seen any three of the films, so I'm yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it because I I've mm. tended to um, I've I've seen more of his recent yeah. films. Uh, but it'll be great to go back and kind of see again mm. where he got his start and and how that mm. style has developed and what he mm. what he does today. Mm. I figure he his style hasn't changed too much over the years. He's one of those filmmakers <laughs> that seems to have stuck to his guns yeah. pretty rigorously. The, 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 there's there's kind of I, I think there's the deadpan comedy. There's certainly the social commentary, uh, mm. and and to a certain extent there is some kind of human tragedy in there as well uh which mm. you know but but i think he he has it in a mix that works well and he gets the balance right mm. yeah i can tell you a, a little joke about finnish society i'll tell you right now okay um, what's the difference between a, a an extrovert and an introvert in finland <laughs> go on <laughs> the, the extrovert stares at your shoes <laughs> right <laughs> it's, it's certainly true of Charismaki, yes, you know, films yep. and the personalities. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and and I guess I mean just um, if, if I can kind of slightly segue from um, the Charismaki, um, I mentioned last year at Mar- Marion Bad, we're also showing another Alain Rene film, mm. uh, Hiroshima Mon Amour, mm. um, which. Um, I think was his earliest film. Uh, it's, it stars the the great Emmanuel Riva, mm. uh, but uh, again we were able to show two Rene films um, mm. in in the program, um, and quite quite a different contrast even between those two sure. two early films. Yeah, excellent. Um, another one of that, that stuck out was. Um, um, Tony Williams' Next of Kin, which kind of has this sort of dual citizenship, yes, um, being made by Kiwis but actually uh, made in Australia. Yes, um, I think it's 1982, and it uh, came to my attention um, in Tim Wong's documentary, Out of the Mist. Oh, that's a fantastic uh, documentary. Yeah, it is. So, for those that don't know, it's uh, it's subtitled The Alternate History of New Zealand Film, and it really is awesome. Um, but there's a lovely excerpt. Uh, of the film in, in that film which is very memorable and uh, and so to see that film on the big screen I think is a, a real coup um, and uh, I know one of your colleagues is very excited I well think, yes you know. I, I, I will give a shout out to, to someone who's actually a former guest on the podcast Dave That's Summerfield right. who uh, who certainly championed uh, having uh, Next of Kin on the program um, which is which is fantastic. Um, D- Dave is all, always uh, looking to uh, to champion films, especially local films, mm-hmm. uh, and um, we're very hopeful to uh, to have the co-writer of the mm-hmm. film, uh, Michael Heath, yeah. uh, come along to our screening oh, um, because I, I think he he's based out of uh, out in the Kapiti Coast. Right, sure. Um, well, Michael actually got in touch with me uh, coincidentally about a week or two ago and okay. said, uh, Andrew, did you know that um, Umbrella Entertainment have released released on Blu-ray with all these fabulous features just letting you know and as it turned out um, I, I, well I told him that uh, actually we've, we've got our, our, our old copy and it's doing just fine but thanks <laughs> <laughs> such are the times yep. and, uh, as, but as it turned out somebody donated a copy of it by total coincidence Excellent. to us on Blu-ray two okay. days ago right. so Little shout out. So, Fantastic. Uh, not that I'm competing with your program. No, no, in no, any no, way, no. I see us very complimentary. This is called Back to the Disc Player. I yes. just wanted to remind you. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, so, um, all right. Um, 
No, it looks like a, a fantastic lineup. I mean, before we move on to some uh, uh, to your adopter movie selections, <laughs> uh, which, by the way, I, I um, you know thank you so much for uh, for, for doing that. Not and um, you've adopted three films. Uh, looks like we've already moved on to the subject. By the way, Chris. <laughs> uh, we can always go back to anything that you've forgotten about Absolutely. your program. Absolutely. Um, but um, the first one that. Um, that you adopted was uh, Eight Femme. Yes. Uh, Huit Femme? Huit Femme. Huit Femme. Yes. Um, tell us about it. Well. Why it, that film? <laughs> why that film? Because it is the best French musical murder mystery that you will ever see. <laughs> I, I, I won't go into the, the amazing array of other French musical murder mysteries that are out there, no, exactly. uh, but obviously that one mm. uh, is the best. And mm. uh, it certainly uh, attracted me when it was first released at the cinema. I remember going and seeing it, and it was showing at the Vogue suite at the penthouse, so it was only on a small screen. Right. Uh, but the thing that attracted and it, it me... It even survived that screening. It even survived that screening. <laughs> <laughs> it has something of a reputation, the Vogue, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, you know, not, I mean, you know, we love the penthouse. Yes. <laughs> yes. No. I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, but but uh, the the cast uh, was was standout, and uh, I mean, before I, I get on to one one particular member of the cast, mm-hmm. um, you, you've got um, the the great Daniel Darieux who who um, is is kind of a an icon in French cinema from the earrings of Madame de. Uh, all, all through the years, she worked mm. with Demi as well, and a number of other great directors. You've got Isabelle Huppert, mm-hmm. uh, who's just fantastic in anything. Mm. Uh, you have uh, Emmanuel Bayard, uh, Fanny Ardon, who worked a lot with Truffaut, mm. uh, and then of course, uh, <laughs> who I consider to be the star, um, the the one and only Catherine Deneuve. Mm, sure. um, so that was uh, her, her name on uh, on the tin. Certainly got me there. Uh, yeah. As it does to uh, any film with her name sure, on it. Sure, sure. So that was the first one that you adopted way back when we first uh, started the scheme. Yes. And, um, and then uh, you came back and and uh, and, and uh, said that you'd like to adopt another couple by email, and it was uh, I just did a little bit of detective work and noticed that they were. Both Catherine Deneuve. Indeed, indeed. By <laughs> <laughs> <A> funny coincidence. <laughs> That's right. So uh, I thought, well, they're, they're, I've, I will, now I've got to have Chris on the podcast uh, to talk about this obsession with Catherine Deneuve. So tell us about the other two films. So and tell us why Catherine. So the, the, the other two films, which are prob- oh, two, two of her best known films, uh, both from the 60s, one being uh, Belle de Jour, which is uh, a Louis Bunuel film, mm. um, and the other being uh, the, just the, 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 the stunning uh, Umbrellas of Cherbourg, which uh, is a Jacques Demy film. And uh, I, I think that's probably the film that I would, if I had a choice to see one film before I passed away, that would be the film I'd want mm. to see mm. uh, before I passed away. It's pretty beautiful, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. yeah. and mm. I remember the first time I saw it, and and I'd been told it was a musical, and I didn't realise it was just completely sung. So all dialogue was, mm. was sung, and uh, yeah, mm. it, it's a fantastic film. Um, it's brilliantly directed, but of course, um, again, a stunning, stunning central performance um, mm. from from Catherine Deneuve, who um, who's kind of been a uh, uh, for, for me was I think a gateway drug 
into into uh, film not in the English language. Sure. Uh, yeah. And and I must I, I'm happy to admit I I, I was uh, initially uh, the, the 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 look was what uh, drew mm. me in. Mm. Uh, but um, the appreciation I have of her work of French cinema of world cinema has mm. has grown entirely out of that yeah, um, yeah so you know i can i can Indeed. thank her for that no gateway drugs are good way to, <laughs> no and we all have those um yeah just doing a little research you know she's now 75 years old Indeed. and her career spans uh, into seven decades yes uh, yes so she's really kind of unrivaled as a, as a uh, f- french female icon yeah uh, and um and so it's quite remarkable, but she does have a, uh, yes, she is very beautiful and, and, uh, um, but she has a, uh, a poise, but also great taste in films, even she though does. she has done a lot of films and probably a lot of them we haven't seen here. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, Repulsion, I think was the first film that I saw her in. Okay. So I think when I, in my formative years, you know, where Hitchcock was kind of, you know, you know, my... My go-to, my gateway yeah. drug or whatever. Yeah. Uh, there's a um, repulsion, and, and those early Polanski films were certainly an adjunct to that. Yeah. And so, uh, this, her, you know, she's unforgettable in that film. Yes. As well. Yeah. No. And um, and that, that was very early on in her career, and mm. and and an English language performance too. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, she's she's frighteningly good in that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, repulsion kind of being the. Uh, Somewhat of a sister film to Psycho. Yes, really. Yes, yeah, um, absolutely. Probably heavily influenced. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I agree. Um, mm. And and I just I just can always recall that one scene where she's going through a dark corridor and there are hands coming out of the mm. wall, which well, I think was obviously a, a, a throwback to um, Cocteau's Beauty and the Beast. Sure. Um, but yeah. it's it's my my strongest memory of seeing Rapunzel. Yeah, I think mine is actually the telephone cord. Oh, okay. I just, yes. I just it's synonymous with that film for me is just her struggling for yep. to, to make the phone call and, yes. the, and the kind of um, you know kind of banal malevolence of of that yeah. kind of twisted rope yeah something so domestic <laughs> yes. yeah um, but yeah it's it's wonderful um, so going going for three de nerve though you felt the compulsion you know rather than uh, you know put your eggs into different baskets well yeah I I, I, <laughs> I noticed you made a little sort of bid for a lynch uh, well yes yes no. and, and i decided that that, that that maybe was a little bit uh that that was with the entire series of twin peaks the return uh and this there's, there's potentially still the opportunity to do that but, oh uh, right that's right it was that's right. <laughs> oh yes yes but but um yeah I'm, I'm not too sure if i can i can do the same as i i think the first guest you had in your program who's who's sponsored or who's adopted all of the Lindsay lohan uh yep. Oeuvre. <laughs> um, uh, the the Deneuve oeuvre is certainly uh, far far more considerable, but uh, yeah. there are a number of films that I'd still happily adopt. And, and I was just as as I sat in this chair looking across, I can see four or five films um, with either her on the cover or ones yeah. that I know that uh, that she's in. So uh, sure. yeah, so yeah. <laughs> listeners, uh, not, try and beat me to it. It's not a sales pitch, uh, <laughs> but. Um, the the other thing was that when we first 
uh, instigated the program, uh, you also adopted a couple of films on behalf of the Film Society. That's right. Um, so just tell us quickly about those. Yes, so uh, we adopted uh, Battleship Potemkin um, and The Cabinet, Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, yeah. um, which were two films that we showed in our very first year. Um, which was when? Which was 1946. Oh, my God. Um, so wow. I think that... That coincided with our seventieth year when uh, yeah. when we adopted those, and yeah. we had them back on our program right. for our seventieth year. So it uh, it had a nice circularity to it, and showing those films in our first year, our seventieth year, and then having those adopted by the film society. Very good. Now I I, I wanted to get back uh, to to talking about your. Um, the contributions that you've made on the letterbox site, sure, and uh, and your. Um, uh, and and what what uh, what got you onto that? And and I, I noticed that you you have about two and a half thousand entries on the, on there. Um, so I um, I saw you at the film festival last year, and um, I actually when I think I might have asked you then you know would you like to come on the podcast yep. next year yep. when you've got the new lineup so yep. here we are and then um, and then I did a little bit of kind of nosying around the, sure. the internet and yep. I noticed how active you were um, also on our site by the way yep. um, but a hell of a lot more entries on letterbox so there's a and I noticed that you were kind of systematically um, lo logging reviews as you watched them at the festival. So have you been doing that for a while? Uh, I've probably done it for the last four or five years. Uh, and initially I thought it was going to be too difficult, uh, just just because I, I do watch a lot of films at, at the festival. and uh, But I, I decided I, I wanted something to, to help help me remember the films that I'd mm. seen so quite often I will go back and see them and generally my film reviews during the festival tend to be the shorter reviews and I'll just pick up a few points mm. uh, yeah. and, and in some cases it'll just be two words uh, <laughs> um, sometimes for the films that perhaps I didn't uh, didn't mm. quite click with me but mm. um, I, I find myself in, in a gap between movies or, or running to get something to eat and and uh, one of the great things about having being mobile mm. um, is I'll just log a film as yeah. I'm as I'm having uh, having my dinner or yeah. sometimes even on the bus ride home yeah well it's quite interesting just I think as I say I, I looked into your account during the festival and kind of seeing your footprint yeah. And uh, that was kind of that was really interesting, and to sort of get a very uh, a kind of immediate uh, yeah. uh, feedback about what you thought of particular films. Uh, yeah, and, um, it, it is yeah. interesting to to go back and rewatch some of them sometimes. And I, I know there was there was a film. It's a Roy Anderson film, uh, Pigeon Sat on a Branch. Uh, yes. thinking of his, his existence, which I saw during the festival, absolutely loved it, hmm. five stars. And then we had it on the Film Society program, and. and it didn't didn't quite sit with me, and I sort of thought, really, uh, you know, was I caught up in the whole festival atmosphere mm. when I gave it that five stars, um, or was there something else? And we'd, we'd seen another two Roy Anderson films on our program that year, and I think perhaps it was just Anderson saturation. Indeed. So by the time yeah. we got to that film, um, sure. yeah. yeah, 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 that's interesting. Um, yeah, your your 
do you mind if I tell uh, listeners that we, what your pseudonym is? No, no um, not at all. Please, okay, please do. Okay, okay. Well, it's the Merca. Yes. Is that how you pronounce it? It is. Can you explain a little bit about that? Yes. Yeah. So, so the Merca, and, and it came out of my Twitter handle, um, so it's, it's stuck uh, with me. Uh, another obsession, uh, and, and this does go back to childhood, for me has always been Doctor Who. Um, okay. And... There was a particular, uh, during the 80s, it was kind of the downfall of, of Doctor Who, and it, it, um, it was getting less and less money in the budget. And basically, they had this monster monster of the week called the Merca, which was, there was a, a, a series called Rent-A-Ghost, which, was, which, had a, uh, which had a horse which was played mm. by two people. Essentially, they just coloured that green um, and put a scary face on it. Yep. And, and that's always kind of appealed to me as kind of the... Uh, yeah, this 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 kind of terrible monster, and, and that just kind of stomps around, and I, I see myself like that sometimes. <laughs> Although th- that particular episode, which also had uh, Ingrid Pitt, uh, right. who for for lovers oh. of cult film <laughs> sure. will know that she uh, she was uh, I think in some of the the, the uh, uh, vampire films, yeah. um, and she mm. tries to to kill the Merka through karate and right. and is defeated. Right. Well, thank you for explaining that. <laughs> not at all, not at all. I have much more affection for it now. <laughs> <laughs> rather than that enigma um uh, and 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 the reason i ask it is it's also your review handle on the our video site and you have uh 30 reviews on there thank you right. for those and they make for great reading thank M- you more, more please um and but I, and i just wanted to say that that uh, i share your love of a couple of films that oh, you've good. given five stars to so okay. uh, one of them is i am love yes um, and uh uh the um the Italian film with, with Tilda Swinton. Yes, uh, I can never pronounce that. Luca. Luca Guadagnino. That's that's him. Yes, and um, and like uh, and still walking as well. The Japanese. Oh my film. goodness! Yeah, um, I mean Corriere is, yeah. is is catnip to me. And, yeah, for sure. Uh, I, that was the first of his films yeah, that I ever saw. Yeah, it blew me away as yeah. well. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, one of my film I, I I noticed that you reviewed badly. I um, maybe it was on the letterboxed. Um, but I thought mm, that might be slightly out of character with the kind of things we've just talked about with both Catherine Deneuve and uh, and and David Lynch. Yeah. You know, is um is the musical Nine. Uh, with with, uh, with Daniel Day Lewis, and I thought if anybody's going to like that film, it would be you, Chris. Well, I mean, aesthetically, it's pretty. Yes, you know, uh, um, eight femme. Yes, yes, uh, yes, indeed. It, 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 it was, did you think it paled compared to that one? Well, yeah, I, because I, I think it, it did come after that. Um, yeah. I, I just it felt like a musical by the numbers, and yeah. um, there, there was just kind of. No mm. emotion behind it. Mm. Um, yeah, and even yeah, if it's based on on Fellini's Eight and a Half, yes, it still didn't. <laughs> no, no, tickle the cinephile in you. Not, not at no, all. And you know, sure. fan- fantastic cast uh, mm. and Fergie. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, no, yeah. it's it's certainly uh, well, for the record. I really liked it. Okay, I, I know it's not you know cool or anything, but yep. I, I I did think that besides from all of the kind of the glitz and the glamour and the uh, it, um, I thought there was. I thought it still retained the nub of what Eight and a Half was okay. about, about this kind of... Well, maybe, maybe I know, could be convinced kind of if I revisited... hedonistic film director who was kind of, uh, you know, still not able to, to satiate himself despite all of the, yeah. you know, baubles yes. of success. You know, so, I, you know, it worked yeah. for me. Um, so, the future of film societies? Yeah. Healthy? That, that's, a, that's a good question. It's... Mm. Um, 
certainly in Wellington, and 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 uh, and Wellington is very very healthy, and uh, that that is I think helped by the fact that. Um, we we have a community of of people in Wellington who who want to go to the cinema to to watch films, um, mm. but it does it does take uh, a lot of work um, mm. and um, um, you know we 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 have to try every year to to you know make sure one maintain the the members that we've got but also continue to attract uh, new members but um, mm. certainly feeling very positive. Um, after um, 2017, which um, yeah, mm. which we we felt, I mean, we, we were just devastated with uh, the loss of the Paramount, mm. um, and we we didn't think we would be in a position to uh, to screen it somewhere like the Embassy. So mm. we're certainly feeling feeling a lot mm. more uh, optimistic now. And and that that transition really boosted attendances. It did. It did. Yeah. Uh, and and we've we've had a lot of people who hadn't been film society members for a number of years who who said mm. that well we came along because you were showing mm. at the embassy and mm. um while we all loved the paramount uh there, there were there were people that you know wanted something a bit flasher and yeah. uh you know mm. wouldn't necessarily uh mm. want to come along to uh to screenings at, at the sure. paramount yeah no you certainly are spoiled rotten at the embassy yes yeah yeah, yeah. um Great. Look, it's been really great talking to you. I, I uh, wondered if there's anything else you wanted to add, Chris. I mean, is there, you know, you've got uh, you've got other committee members that might have wanted you to <laughs> mention a few things. Well, no, now no, is no. your opportunity to say so. I, th- I think I think I've covered uh, we've covered the program uh, pretty mm-hmm. well. I, the the yep. one one thing we, we we haven't talked about, so I'll, I'll just mention briefly mm. to give to give a shout out to um, in in the French section. Um, we've got uh, quite a few. Well, we, I think we've got three African films, um, yep. and and again. Um, I've I've only seen one of them, which is mm. Wulu, which mm-hmm. showed at the film festival, which is just um, it's it's described as a, a Senegalese Scarface, um, mm. which um, that's a kind of a, a great kind of buzz mm. word you can put on put on the box to get people in. But it, it mm. is a fantastic uh, yeah. gangster film. Uh, but um, it's it's great to see films that. Um, yeah, uh, from other parts of the world that you wouldn't actually ever see uh, on, exactly. on the big screen. No, the three African films, I was meant to mention those as well because, um, yeah, I'm. Uh, it's a bit of a blind spot in my particular yeah. uh, film experience. So, yeah, I look forward to seeing some of those. Yeah, and, yeah. and um, I, I don't know whether um, you saw the, the series, um, the story of film, the Mark Cousins mm-hmm. um, series. Yeah. Um, and that, that was actually a series that opened my eyes to a lot more yeah. world cinema. And, um, yeah, it's, I, mm-hmm. I want to get the opportunity to, to see more from kind of the standard, obviously, uh, American films. Um, you've got European films, but... Um, yeah, more from Southeast Asia, more from Africa, more from South America. Mm. So, as, as the president, you're you know who was stepping down this year. You, you've you've still got that, as you say. There's a lot of films on the program that you haven't seen. So you're going along like the rest of us, absolutely, uh, taking a punt. Yes, and there's kind of pleasure and sometimes pain in that process. Yeah, just uh, I forgot to mention the you do a bit of a ballot thing with your with uh, um, yes attendees. Yes. So we, does that happen every time? Or yeah, and, well, and tell us about the results, say, of last year. Yeah. I'm just going to close this window, even though it's been stinking hot today during our heat wave. <laughs> um, there's a lot of traffic out there, so I'll just close the window. No problem. All of a sudden, it just got really busy out there. 
Yeah, so for, it's, it's just been for the last two years where we've we've given uh, our members a, a voting slip, and it's a one to five voting slip. So it's uh, it's it's kind of an initial reaction to uh, to the film as you walk out of the cinema. But it's a good way for us to gauge, you know, how much a film has been enjoyed. Because yes, some people will jump on social media and post about it. Some people will uh, log it on on their letterbox. But um, we can actually see yes, that kind of uh, was a hit for the audiences um, or. Or um, it was uh, it was less so, and uh, hmm. some some surprising results last year, especially at the lower end. But the film that came out top was actually Mustang, um, right. which was a, kind of a Turkish coming mm. of age film, which mm. is which is a nice pairing with um, the Virgin Suicides, it which is. are showing um, this year. Yeah. Uh, but the film that uh, rated lowest was uh, the Jean Luc Godard film Alphaville. <laughs> Um, which um, yeah yeah, uh, Mm. people just did did not like and and there were certainly even arguments on the committee after afterwards so right uh, Goddard has that uh, that ability to uh, to to, to, polarise polarise that's the word I'm thinking of you're saying that there were arguments on the committee after the showing yes meaning why did Uh, we do that well just just on uh, on some people who who felt really strongly for it and and others who who, uh, were shitless Yes. Yeah. Yes. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm interested to hear your I, thoughts on it. I've already commented on uh, Jean-Luc Godard on this podcast, and oh, I don't okay. want to overdo it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, let's just say that it doesn't surprise me the right. result. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, look, he's made some some good stuff as well. Look. Um, all right. Well, that's. I've thoroughly enjoyed the chat. Yeah, Thank I have you again too. for coming too. up. Um, there's so much more we could you know, yak about I know. Know, being film nerds. <laughs> um, but I look forward to catching up with you at the Embassy on, on a Monday night. Yes, uh, no. More frequently. Yes, no, we'd um, love to have yeah, you along. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, awesome. So thank you again, Chris. No, not at all. all. the best with your new role. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. Cheers. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. And thanks to my RO colleague Sven de Strom who recorded the episode against the aforementioned elements. Also, thanks to Chris himself for inspiring me to get back on the podcast horse. It really is a lot of fun to do. But as I mentioned, I took a break from the podcast for a couple of months. That was not by design, but in fact because business was worryingly soft in the usually buoyant month of December and I had a potentially exciting third party deal in the end that went pear-shaped and I have to admit that I went into what is known in the startup business world as the trough of sorrow. Um, People ask almost every day how business is and the truth is that our active supporters are drifting away slowly but surely and we must rely more and more on passive support. And so I want to encourage as many people as possible that are not already active supporters to become friends of our video through our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash video. Here you can become a casual friend for a US $1 per month or a pen friend at US $3 per month. And to say thanks, we reward you with a complimentary film rental once or twice a year or once or twice a month, depending on the various options. You can also support us by adopting a movie for yourself or someone you know, and you can even adopt a movie through Patreon on a month-by-month basis. Please also spread the word by sharing this episode of the podcast, either electronically or telling your friends about it, and I invite you to register your feedback about what you've heard through all the regular channels. 
You can subscribe also to the podcast for automatic updates through your preferred podcast app. And before I go, congratulations to Emily Innes, who won the weekend getaway at the Martinborough Movie Cottage that was featured in the last episode, episode 8, and thanks to others who participated in the competition. We really appreciate it. Until next time, bye-bye.